0: Cool. So why the book of Daniel? Well, I don't know about you, but it's my go-to book when things go wrong. I don't know if you've got scriptures that you just kind of go to, but I just think it's an amazing testament of how God shows up in sort of the really most stickiest circumstances of our lives. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what I used to call Abednego, I realise there's not an N in there, which is a bit of a shame. Um, We're in a pretty sticky predicament. Um, and God came and saved them from it. This evening I'm going to follow kind of the theme of his story, my story, but talk about my story. Um, Sorry. And uh, we heard their story. These men who would not bow down to the God made of gold. They were thrown into this furnace, but God's loving arms encapsulated them and kept them safe in the fire. The only things that were burnt off were the bands that tied them, but their cloaks, their turbans, their beards, whatever they had, came out and singed. So I'm going to talk about my story, and it kind of starts when I was 13 years old, and um, when I was 13, I first heard God's call in my life. I was attending a youth event in Trowbridge called Essence, I don't know if anyone, probably not from Trowbridge, so I have probably never heard of it, but it was a monthly gathering where we came and worshipped as young people in the town, and um, one evening a lady comes to talk to us about how God calls us into different things, and I have no idea what she said but I remember standing in the back of Bethesda Baptist Church and just asking God what it was he wanted for my life. And while he didn't make it expressly clear then, I heard him say, Tim, you can go your own way and it'll be okay, but if you follow me, it will be an adventure. Shortly after this, I went to see my vicar, and I said, uh, I was sat in his living room having a cup of tea, and it just came out of me. I said, Alan, I want to be a vicar. And he went, ooh, and jumped back. I don't think any 13-year-old has ever said those words, but I did. And as he talked it through with me and he prayed for me, something came out of that time. He, he felt God say to him that I would be purified by fire to become the man God wanted me to be. And that's been a message that stuck with me for many years and at the time i had no clue what that meant but i took it and i pursued my calling so if we fast forward a couple of years i was doing my a levels uh, i did all re surprise surprise and then i came to choosing university and i had this real sort of deep sense of calling that god was calling me to ministry i just had absolutely no idea where I'd spent a lot of time outside of the Anglican Church at this point, and being a vicar didn't really seem all that cool or interesting. So I kind of prayed it through, and... All right, I I've changed my mind. Um, I prayed it through, and I felt God called me to Bible college. Um, Yeah, so um, I decided to go to Bible college, which was a great experience, but it was incredibly humbling. It literally broke me into every piece I could possibly fall into, knocked off every edge it could, and just brought me to a whole new place of going, do you know what, I own nothing. And uh, while at Cliff, in the midst of all that was going on in my life spiritually, the devil attacked. He introduced me to a young lady who I immediately was infatuated with, and it wasn't long until we were engaged to be married. The golden gods that are set up don't always come in inanimate form. Sometimes they can come in people. They can come in animals. They can come in all sorts of things. But in my life, it came as a person. I lost track of who I was. My time at Cliff seemed unimportant. And she had this real issue with church. which should have been, like, alarm bells, but it just wasn't. And um, in order to keep that relationship alive, I suppressed my calling. I did everything I could to keep her happy. And all I became was miserable, bitter, and tired. Only deep down, she wasn't right for me, but I couldn't end it. it was, in a way, she had replaced God as the person who I worshipped. The cliff came to an end, and I started to look for a job. Um, I'd worked as a as a kitchen assistant when I was 15 in a local pub to here, and whilst I was at Bible College, I continued that and. Uh, sort of worked my way up to being sort of a cook in, in kitchens, and I came, I, you know, I was trying to find a job up there, but I just couldn't find one, so I came home and started working around this area. But I wanted to use my degree, and I thought a good way of keeping her, her happy and me sort of fulfilling my calling was to become a youth worker. You know, every Christian way into becoming a leader. And um, it wasn't right for me at that moment. Nothing worked out, and every door shut incredibly hard. Um, so now I thought, why not become a teacher? That's something I can do. That's a nice job. That's not so much hard work. <laughs> and uh, So I applied for teacher training college, and I got an interview, and it went really well, and everything was set up, and I got offered a place, and then all of a sudden, sort of a couple of months before I was supposed to go, the door slammed shut again, and it all fell apart. And... Uh, yeah, it was, it was safe to say at this point I was pretty much a mess. I was a real wreck and I didn't really know what to do. And it's kind of, in my story, it's sort of this Satan is Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king that set up this idol, and I fell for it. And like the men in our Bible story, I didn't have that level of faith at this point. They said to him, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. But hey, if not, that's okay. We trust him. And we will not bow down to your gods. I mean, that's my paraphrased version, but we get the point. They knew who they followed. They were not led astray by the golden image or the threat of death. Their first and only love was God. And in my shame, I forgot God's path in light of my circumstances. I couldn't make it work trying to find a place near her so I settled for a job here working in a chef and it wasn't long before I was running that kitchen things looked like they were going good and I started going back to church it was actually the first church I came back to when I was here was here I was sat by that pillar I remember that quite firmly and it was in that moment as we were singing that I felt God call me back to BCC so sorry <laughs> but it was it was actually really important that I did because I met Doug and I met a fantastic group of young people who became my life group and became my closest friends, and I needed people my own age. I found what had happened when I went to Bible college is my friends from home and school just disappeared and they're off doing fantastic things, but I was kind of on my own, so I thought, we're going to make some friends, they better be Christian friends. So I joined a life group, and I was still broken and miserable, uh, but I threw myself fully into it. And God was really faithful in putting those people around me. People who, without knowing it, because I was pretty good at hiding it, had built me back up. And the closer I got to God, the further me and this person were apart. And eventually, it was too much and it all came to quite a bitter end. And in a moment, it felt as if I was back at square one. All the good that life group had done just was wiped away. And I'd never experienced anything as feeling quite as low as that moment. I didn't realize despair could really be a physical feeling. It was as if this kind of heavy, moldy, thick, smelly carpet had been thrown around me and pulled tight and bound and I was brought to my knees. And this is something that happens when we worship something fickle, something as an idol and it's ripped from us. It brings us to our knees. It isn't faithful. It doesn't last. My heart was broken. My life was uprooted and my constant And my constant, this person, was now gone. And um, the job I was in required me to leave home at 5 a.m. every morning, pretty early considering I got in about midnight, so that's how much sleep I was on, six days a week. So I wasn't in the best physical state, and I wasn't anymore in the best mental state. And as I was driving to work, I came to a crossroads. All three would get me to work, but only one would get me to work on time. And as I sat there waiting for the light to turn green, I broke down. And I remember crying out to God, why? It was basically all I could get out, the only words that I could get. And I remember him saying, Tim, who's your first love? And it really hit home. It became really obvious. I had in no uncertain terms replaced God as my primary love. And then he made me really aware of the crossroads. He said, Tim, I don't care which route you take. But now you have to take one. Keep running if you want to, but you are going to be late. Or take the right path and follow me now. And you will get to where you need to be on time. So this is the amazing faithfulness of our God. That even in our unfaithfulness, even in our running away, in our darkest moments, he's still walking with us. I felt like I was in that furnace walking around with no way out. The heat was intense. And yet there was, by my side, every step of the way, Jesus. And I hadn't realized it. He never let me go. And in this moment, as I faced those crossroads, I made the decision to rededicate my life again to following him. In that moment, it became so clear I had to pursue my calling. So I started praying into it. And I felt God calling me back to where I started. So I went to see Alan again. And uh, he was a bit surprised when I knocked on his door. Um, (laughs) It had been about seven years since I last spoke to him, and we had a really frank and open conversation about the years that had gone by and the things that had happened and my time in church and Bible college. And he said, well, come back to church, and let's see where life leads, to see what happens. And that really was a turning point. I remember being really unhappy as a chef. Um, I had to get out of that world. And while I loved the actual job, the environment really wasn't helpful to being a Christian. I don't know if anyone's ever worked in a kitchen, but they can be quite um, demeaning places. They can be very uh, jocular places. A lot of men in one environment doing a hard job saying silly jokes and swearing a lot. You know, It's not always the best environment. And I really was praying about what I could do. And I felt God say, just apply for jobs, apply for things. And I kept applying and applying and doors kept slamming and I went to interviews all over the country and um, I really got to my wit's end. I was like, God, if you're calling me back into this, why is every door slamming shut? And I got really upset one night and I just kind of screamed, God, this is your last chance. If I don't find something in the next week, that's it, done. It's going to continue what I'm doing. It's easy, I'm earning good money and I'm kind of happy. And um, I stumbled across the application form of St. Stephen's, and it literally had about three days left until the closing date. So I emailed very quickly and went, can I have an application, please? And it got sent to me immediately, and um, I wrote this horrendous application form. There's absolutely no way I should have got the interview, but I did. And uh, I went to the interview and there was a, a group of people who grilled me for over like two hours and about four hours later I got a phone call from Philip saying you've got the job. Which I was really shocked about So I thought oh, this is another one this is going to go. And, uh, but I had to get myself right with God. But he came through at the right moment. St. Stephen's was an amazing place to be and this is where God's timing can be a surprise. I had this whole like plan of, I've started my job, I've started a distance masters, I'm going to finish this, I'm going to do that, and in about five years time then I'll think about becoming a vicar, because why not? And um, about three months into my role, the advisor to the Bishop for Youth came to talk to me about kind of what was going on and where we could link up and things to do, and he just kind of like, started asking me questions about myself, and i really realising it, he'd kind of got my whole life story out of me, and he kind of said, so what's your plan? And I said, well, I feel called to ministry and he said, well, can I make a phone call? It's like, yeah, 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 great. So he went out and he came back in and said, well, I've I've rang the DDO and I want to put you in touch, which was an amazing shock. Um, Instead of five years, God reduced that to two. Um, I started this master's and the job at St. Stephen's was going well. Um, But it was amazing just how quick these things changed. And I was reminded as I was kind of going over this of Joel chapter 2.25, which says, I will return to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And, you know, this was a real moment where God was restoring to me what had been taken. Granted, I'd given it freely, but it was still taken. It was still the enemy encroaching on what God had called for me. God was restoring what the devil had taken, and my faith grew stronger, and my calling was firmly reestablished. And it was during that time that I met Beth, and uh, just in under two weeks, well, I'll have the privilege to call her my wife. And uh, I felt a bit like Jonah. I ran away, but God didn't give up. I didn't have a big well capture me, thankfully. But I am now back on track in training for ordination, and we're now facing this crazy journey together, rather than me on my own. And kind of relating this back to Shadrach, Meshach, and unfortunately, Abednego. I really wish there was an end there. If you have a Bible, or if we can put it on the screen, so we go to chapter 3, verse 24... It says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up up in haste, and he declared to his counsellors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered them and said, But I see four men unbound, walking free in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And this is my prayer that even in the midst of the fire, people would be able to see the glory of God in my life. Something I hadn't realized is that in the midst of all the trouble, the hurt and the pain, Jesus was walking with me. He can release the bounds so that even in the fire we can walk free. The fire didn't hurt Shadrach, Meshach or Abednego. If anything, it turned out to be just a minor inconvenience in their day. It was an hour gone where they just had to walk around. But to those in the room, those who witnessed it, it was a miracle. It was a really life-changing moment. The verse 26 reads, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. The king said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trust in him and set aside the king's commands. And yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God other than their own. Their faith was that strong. Their love of God was so strong that even in the most terrifying of circumstances, they held fast to their God. They would not bow down. They would not abandon their God in the face of certain death. And quite a gruesome death. Um you know they talk about training as formation and in a way I'm set in a furnace of sorts and the refiner's fire is making and forming me into the man he has called me to be and I am no way the finished product as Beth will tell you but I'm pretty sure and I'm even sure that at the end of my life there'll still be things that I need to learn, things in glory that God will be teaching me but as I walk he walks with me I had a lot of growing up to do um, I started Bible college as a very cocky 18-year-old who literally thought he knew everything. The first sermon I ever gave, I was in a little Methodist church in Gleedless in Sheffield. There were about 30 old ladies in the room, no one else. And I had the most gruesome image of Jesus from the Passion of the Cross. Passion of the Cross? Passion of Christ? I can't remember the name of the film. But anyway, the picture where he's on the cross and he's stripped and beaten and I thought that was appropriate and I left it up there for the rest of the service so that goes to show just how much I had to learn <laughs> and um, you know I was after that I was left a broken wreck I didn't know what to believe and I found it very hard to find my way back but while the earthly things we worship are fickle our God whom we serve is always faithful Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Abednego loved God so much that they were prepared for whatever came their way. My hope is that in whatever I face, whatever we face, we have the faith and the love for God to face all things knowing that he is faithful and merciful. And um, I'd like to just pray for people in the room. And the way I'd like to do this is if we just close our eyes for a moment so no one else can see. Uh, Apart from me, because I just want to know who to pray for. Um, If you feel like you're in that furnace, and you feel like you just want to come out of that, or you can't see Jesus in it right now, or whatever it is, I just want you to raise a hand. Really high. Cool. I just... Just keep your hands there as a sign. No one's going to open their eyes, I promise. Well, I can't promise, but I've asked them not to. I I just feel Jesus has these words for you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Heavenly Father, I thank you that as we walk through life, you walk alongside us. I thank you, Lord, that even in the furnace, when things get hot, where we can't find our own way, you are there. And Father, those that have raised their hands, I pray, would you just send your blessing upon them? Would you reveal your presence to them in a powerful way? Would you loose the bounds that tie them and walk with them and set them free within that fire? Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God. Even in our unfaithfulness, you remain faithful always. We thank you that you came so we could stand and sing. We are a child of God and we are loved and I thank you Lord that you said where two or more are gathered I am there in their midst that you are in this room right now we thank you Father so come now Holy Spirit and just pour upon those who raise their hands your love And work a miracle in them right now. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.